Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Office Hours. It's a very holiday-spiced edition of the show. Brantley joins me here all bundled up in a holiday blanket. Oh, hi, Chris. You got your hot cocoa? I do. Yeah, I like that, like, muddled cider. You're kind of getting settled in over there, right? You've been in Berlin now for about a week as we record this, so I imagine you've probably got your favorite spot to get your groceries. Ah. Probably got your stuff all set out now. Well, you know, I've been here a few times now, and I've stayed kind of in the same area. Uh, so now I have, I, I actually have a routine, Chris. I got like the local organic shop just here that's connected to the train station. So I, it's just smooth. It's going smooth. But it's also just about a weekend, which is your favorite time because it's also about the time to do laundry, Chris. Oh, uh, doing laundry while you travel absolutely sucks. It's expensive. <laughs> Also, it's not like you packed a laundry basket, you know, so it's like just operationally it's difficult and I find the entire thing frustrating. If I, this is how I know I, I need to, you know, spend a good amount of time being poor because if I were rich, I would just go out and buy all new clothes on, on a, and I, now, now I would never do that. But now, now that I've been humbled, but yeah, I just got to hate it that much. I don't do the laundromats or anything and I pack somewhat lighter because I like to do the carry on completely. I don't like to. Even though I'm like have elite status now or whatever with the airlines because I've crossed the ocean too many times, carry on everything. I don't, I don't, yeah, check any bags. So, but you've seen that clothesline that I bring with me, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that doesn't take much space. Yeah. It's literally just a piece of string. But I also have like a dry bag and I've thro- I throw all my laundry in there and do like a, I don't know, shake that bag t- a ton with a bunch of water and soap in it in the showers in the hotel room. It's a whole scene. I'm going to have to record it for you sometime. And then uh, I use that string and try to tie it to anything in the hotel room. And then uh, it just looks like I'm homeless in a hotel room, basically. I'm picturing soapy water all over the bathroom floor when you're doing this. Like, you know, because the showers aren't meant for this. It's like there was a wet, shaggy dog in there in the end, you know. (laughs) But my clothes is clean. At least you're getting it done. And you can actually bring that with you, too, I would imagine. Because I imagine that packs down pretty tight, too. That's true. That's true. But, and it means, you know, I could bring laundry or clothing for two weeks, but this way I could bring half of it. And I don't know. Works out. No one's told me that I have a scent problem. So I think it's going okay. Are you working on my top travel tip, though? Are you low-key looking for a spot to just have an always-there stash of clothes and toiletries? Mm. Yeah, you know, we NextCloud has moved offices recently, and all the stuff I left, like stickers mostly, JB stickers, I haven't found yet and no one's mentioned to me so i don't know as long as we keep this office for a little while i i I have started to stash things in a particular place that i won't won't tell too many people about so i think i can do it i've told brent this a hundred times before the audience the full picture that i think is if you're doing a situation like brent where you work from home but few times a year you're brought into the main office like i was when i worked at linux academy what just made that work so well for me is i did the same thing brent would do is I would just bring my backpack towards the end. All I would bring with me on the flight is my laptop backpack. Man, does that make traveling so slick? Because I had a duffel bag that I would stash at the Linux Academy office. And so I would arrive at the DFW airport and just take an Uber to the Linux Academy office. Now, towards the end, because you know I was a VP after all, I actually had a car there. I had my own car there as well. So, so I'd have the fancy. Uber take me to the office. I know. I'd grab my bag. I'd unlock my office there at Linux Academy. I'd grab my stuff. And then I'd jump in my own car and drive to the hotel. That's so <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it was. It was. Do you have your own plane too or what? Uh, one day. One day. You know. But uh, in the meantime, we grind it out. But Brent, we should probably get right into it because 
there's some breaking podcast news. That's right, fresh news here on the Office Hours program. Well, at least fresh as we're recording it. <laughs> uh, there is a new podcast directory troll out there. What? A Danish company, mm-hmm, copyright agent AS, claims to represent content producers and uh, news agencies, is going around to different podcast directories and asking them for about $400 in uh, damage. <laughs> Just enough to make it cheaper than, you know, a copyright lawyer hour or two of time. Just enough that they can make money. And, of course, if they do this at scale, you know, across maybe 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 directories, they'll make a decent little chunk of change. And what they're going after is imagery that's in a podcast album art. But they're suing the podcast directory since the directory is displaying it. They're not going after the podcasters yet. They're going after podcast directories. And podnews.net, which is a great resource for podcasting news, is one of the companies getting sued. And they kind of fought back. They hired a lawyer. Yeah, it's an Australian company. They're trying to use some sort of backwaters Australian copyright law to go after podcast directories. But you know, Brent, you know what the meta story is here to me? Please tell me, because I'm still flabbergasted by this. The copyright trolls are turning their eyes more and more onto podcasts. Like, uh, it's been a long, for a long time, podcasters have been able to play certain things that maybe the copyright law didn't necessarily allow for, because there's no way for them to license it either. Or, you know, they could use a picture on their album art that was representative of the topic of the episode, and they didn't necessarily have to do attribution or go license that. That's all changing. As, you know, maybe it should. But it's all it's all changing once you have the ability to just scan stuff and do machine matching is essentially, I think, what happens. Does that mean that podcasting's all grown up now? <laughs> yeah, or it's at least big enough. Someone's paying attention now, right? We, we got to watch out. Yeah, it's been a little bit. It's been all right. So this is actually an interesting developing story. And I don't think Pod News is the last one that's going to get this letter saying you owe us 450 bucks. And I would imagine they're eventually probably going to move on to podcasters, too, if they can. So I'll put a link in the notes for that. We got another interesting story going on. So advertising has really been in the toilet for 2023, and it's looking even worse in 2024. Of course, we came on this show a year or two ago and started warning our podcaster friends that this was coming. And one of the things that's at the core of podcast advertising is verifying download numbers. And so the industry has been trying – the industry has been trying to come up with a standard to measure. And they have an IAB, which is this group of folks that I don't really recognize, but they claim to set the standard. And they have decided it's time to have a 2.0 version of the standard. The problem is there's also a massive recertification fee. People don't really agree on the new standard. And there's a looming deadline. So speaking of pod news, I want to play a clip from one of their episodes that we'll link in the show notes. Actually, the entire episode's great, too. They also touch on the Spotify layoffs and other stuff. But here's a moment from pod news that explains what's going on. It's going to make tracking podcast downloads a lot harder in 2024. What's the future for IAB podcast measurement? In November 2022, we reported that the IAB's version 2.0 certification would no longer be valid after the end of this year. And as of today, some of podcasting's largest names are still only compliant to version 2. So all will lose their claim to certification by the end of the year. Those companies are AdsWiz, Buzzsprout, Captivate, Chartable, Empire Streaming, who are now called Soundstack, Libsyn, Podbean, Podtrack, Simplecast and Anchor. 
now of course called Spotify for Podcasters. A spokesperson at the IAB Tech Lab told us we do expect companies who have not been certified on version 2.1 to be recertified or they will lose current status. They're welcome to regain status once they sign up again and complete the certification and audit process. We do have several companies in process of recertification and we do expect them to be completed by the end of the year. For obvious reasons, I cannot tell you which ones. Obviously. I think that certification process to get to the 2.1 version also comes with like a ten dollars or $11,000 fee. I'm not exactly sure what the cost is, but you can imagine that's causing some people to drag their feet. Did you have this supposed industry group that defines what the standards are for tracking downloads? They come up with a new standard, and now the, some of the biggest names in there, like Libsyn and PodTrack, don't seem to be on board. I wonder if they're not on board because they're they're fighting back on it. Or they just find it useless or like I have so many questions. I hope that's it. I, I'd like to see – I'd like – I wouldn't mind a standard but I think it should be an open standard. Uh, this is why I like op3.dev. It should be something that's documented publicly and that we all agree on is the right way to measure these things and not some private group that manages to make the certification process a profit process. I, I just don't – I don't like that. Well, Chris, you can get certified to be a, 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 a tester. So maybe uh, you go on the inside and give us the news. There you go. Hmm. All right, next story. Along with downloads, a lot of podcasters out there are reporting a significant drop in downloads. I, I think it's a little sus, but uh, it started back in October when iOS 17 came out. Updates in iOS 17 to the podcast app disabled automatic downloads on shows that you haven't listened to for 15 days or longer. Like this show, probably, because we haven't been out in that long. Ooh, sorry. And then if you do enable uh, automatic downloads, podcast app, instead of downloading all of the previous shows you missed since you hadn't been downloading, it will now only download new episodes since the point you resumed. So instead of getting the back catalog download, you're only going to get new published episodes. That is a change, and it does seem to be impacting the downloads for some podcasts, especially the podcasts out there that have a lot of Apple Podcast listeners. Depending on where you go, we'll have a couple links in the show notes. Some people are seeing up to 20%. Others are seeing it's almost un- unnoticeable. Um, for us here at JB, I, I, it is unnoticeable. I, I don't think also we don't have a huge Apple Podcast listener base. It's definitely part of it, but it's not our primary listener base. And we've been encouraging the adoption of podcasting 2.0 apps too, so that's also been encouraging folks to to leave the default app. But for some podcasters, they're, they're reporting 20%. Chris, I'm curious how you feel about this because I could see like on one side, if you lose 20% of your, you know, quote unquote audience, then that's a real problem. But on the other hand, it's kind of a report of who's actually listening versus who's virtually right. listening, you know? So how do you feel about this? I think that's a better number, right? Uh, here's I'll tell you the bad reason. The bad side, the bad thing is there, Brent, is that it means you get to – you don't get to quote such a high number to advertisers. That's the that, and that's the bad news. And I do believe some places I would like if I was just going to pick a name, like say Twit. Uh, I bet you about fifteen percent of their downloads are just auto download, and the people don't listen. You know, I think it's a decent little percentage there. So then I think you do get hurt uh, in that circumstance. And Twit is reported as much, but I think especially in a value for value model. I would way rather have the real number than the phony number. 
Right? The phony number only does you good if you're trying to basically have a number you can scam advertisers with with a slightly higher number. That's really the only reason why. And so if you're actually going by value for value, then, you, you know, like a show like this could have a couple thousand. It doesn't really matter. I would imagine there's a, a bit of a challenge here as well, though, because let's say you've set up auto downloads for a particular podcast uh, or a set of podcasts and you expect them to be there because, you know, sometimes you're not, maybe for a month, you're not in the mood to listen to tech podcasts and you listen to something else and then. Or you're the, banking for a road trip. I've done this. Sure, sure. And then, you know, you have the habit of going through your downloads to kind of get inspired. Then if, if the software is determining to, you know, change your settings basically is what's happening here. Uh, then all of a sudden you lose that discoverability within your own library, which is kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. I think Apple made this change to, uh, well, because they sell their devices with too small storage by default, you know, unless you pay more. <laughs> That's a terrible reason. So they're, they're probably, you know, people are buying their, their thousand dollar phones and they're running out of space. So they're, so I think this is probably just to help kind of cut back on that a little bit. Because those podcasts can be 80 megabytes or 20 megabytes or 100 megabytes, depending on the length. So Fair enough. But imagine, you know, your yeah. favorite podcast wasn't downloading or you missed, you know, 12 episodes because it, it forgot to download things for you. Wouldn't you be kind of peeved? I'm not a fan of using the platform app to begin with. I think you get drug around by Apple's sort of design choices at the time and what they're kind of focused on. And I think getting... It's like all things, if you get an independent app that's created by a, a person or a team that's really focused on it, instead of it's just one of the many things that a giant company does, you're always going to have a better result with the small focus team. Newpodcastapps.com. I was going to say, do you have any recommendations on where they can go? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Fountain Fountain 1.0, I don't know if they're going to do like a beta or what, but it is so close. They have their Telegram group testing testing builds right now as we record, and they have been working so hard night and day on the 1.0 release. They are really, really trying to put everything they've got into Fountain 1.0. So I'm kind of excited about that. Hey, that sounded like uh, kind of a new news item and you didn't play the jingle. Can you can you play mm. it for us and uh, give us a... Yeah, there you go. I feel better. Fountain 1.0, close to release. Stand by for more in the future. And now, here's another app. This one I'm not so excited about. I want to I want to exp- I want to describe the the app to you and see if you can reverse engineer what it's actually doing. Oh, oh no. Based on the uh, hypey description, okay? <laughs> We've engineered an AI enabled listening experience that provides users unlimited choice and control. Our technology removes those annoying interruptions and lets you replace them with audio content you actually want to hear. <laughs> so Brantley, what do you think this app is actually doing based on that description? I mean, my idea kept changing, but in the end, I believe it's replacing ads with fillers that you choose, but using AI to do it. I'm going to give it to you. Really? I'm going to give it to you. Yeah. So Fader, and I hate to even say its name because my God, this could be a death nail to the podcast industrial complex. They initially started life and you go look at it, go look them up from like a year ago as we're going to bring every radio station in the world to one app and you'll be able to mix and match news and, and music stations and one playlist and we'll seamlessly stitch it together for you. Okay, neat. But then the money got tight and the only thing getting funded in tech was AI and all of a sudden they became an AI. I think they got acquired. They became an AI app. Right. It's pretty neat. So what it will do and it this all launches in early January 
is it will do exactly what you said, is it will part, it'll process podcasts and radio shows. It will automatically remove the ads from the podcast and then stream it to the user. And they're going to charge you a little bit for this eventually. There's going to be a little bit of a price. You'll have to pay for this. Uh, currently, it's going to be $5.99 per month. That's only through Q1. After that, there's going to be an upcharge associated with to subscribers. So you have to subscribe, and there's going to be an upcharge. But then it'll auto-remove advertising from every podcast and radio show you want to listen to. They're going to start out of the gate with about 50,000 commercial-free podcasts available just right in the app as they ramp it up. Some of the 200 most popular shows in the world, they say, are featured in there. And there is no opt-out for the podcaster who says he doesn't say, hey, Fader, I don't want you to play my shows without ads. They'll tell you to go pan sand because um, really they're just automating the skip feature. And so it's nothing really any different than just like, you know, auto-skipping. So no, you can't opt-out. There's no opt-out. Oh, I have a few thoughts here. The first one is I'm curious because I hear you saying you don't you really don't like how this sounds. Obviously as a podcaster that makes sense. But then I know you use things like uh ad blockers on YouTube and such and uh during your video playing experiences. So is that not the same thing just being applied now to, you know, your your near and dear? Well, I mean I I pay for YouTube Premium. So uh, I do, you know, I kind of feel like I give that way. I just don't want to watch ads on YouTube. So I pay for premium. I don't, you know, and I don't tend to skip ads in podcasts. I, and I tend to send a little value back to the ones that do value for value. It, you know, so it's sort of, it's, it kind of depends on the medium. Like where I will block ads is on the web. Um, and I think you could make a security argument for doing that. Uh, but where I don't block ads is necessarily on the high value, expensive content to produce. I think that's, well, that's a death nail because podcasts and good content take time and research and production and expertise. And that takes um, a lot of value. And so if you're cutting that out, that's, you know, imagine if Fader got even just 10 to 20% market popularity. Right. It'd be pretty devastating, especially when it rolls out in an ad winter already when ads are already paying less and they're fewer and further between. And the nature of the ad deals is constantly changing right now. And then this comes out in the middle of all that. This makes me wonder if it's legal. I mean, it depends where, of course, but doesn't it feel like they're taking someone's copyrighted material and changing it and redistributing it? Yeah. You can make that argument. Again, they, their defense is that it's just, it's like you pressing the 30 second forward button on your app. Yeah. But they're, you know, you're you're paying money for them to distribute this stuff to you. So I don't know. It feels different to me. Man, it's it's getting wild out there for advertising. 2024 is going to be so freaking wild with all this stuff. You got you got the biggest names in tracking can't agree on how to track. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. You got you got less advertising available than in 2023, and way way significant seventy maybe seventy percent less than it was available in 2022 and 2021. Then you got apps like Fader, which if this is doing it, others are going to do it. Inevitably, there'll be some open source version of this that can do it. Uh, They're just going to auto cut ads out. They also in there in one of their releases, they talk about how they're going to turn towards YouTube eventually, too. They just well, they say online video content. Right, 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 right. (laughs) It makes the models just feel unviable, doesn't it? We got to come up with something new. It's a little scary. It's a little scary. And I think it's it's another it's another area where I think the value for value podcasts will have an edge up. 
Um, and where this stuff, these numbers are for the, uh, the sponsor side are getting kind of more and more concerning on the value for value side. The trend is the opposite direction. They're getting better and better. Uh, now, I don't this isn't a complete snapshot, but from what we can monitor based on the stats that like flow through the podcast index, which is not 100 um, percent. Like, for example, if somebody has their own custom feed and you subscribe to that RSS feed and they don't put the podcast index in for a split, then that doesn't get tracked. Um, but if you subscribe through an app where you do a search and that fee that feed is provided by the podcast index, then likely the podcast index is cut in. So there's a lot. It's it's most. And in the last 90 days. It's really unbelievable. 97 million sats were sent to podcasters, wow. <laughs> which works <laughs> out great. to be about 42,378 U.S. greenbacks, uh, which that is from a couple of days ago. And the price has gone up since I took that snapshot. So it's likely more than $42,000 in value in the last 90 days. I bet you it's around 43000 at this point. $43,000 in value has gone through the Boost Network to podcasters in the last 90 days. Now, that that's not going to pay everybody if everybody's on value for value. But then again, if more podcasters got on board with value for value and boost, then more audience members would be boosting and then that number would be going up. I mean, value for value is like quite the niche in podcasting and quite the niche in the listenership. And yet this is really impressive. So imagine if it could just becomes, you know, mainstream. I That's a big ask. But Zooming out a bit more, the Lightning Network itself, this is a report done by River, a very solid company in this space. This is an unbelievable stat. The Lightning Network, this is an incredible stat. The Lightning Network has grown by 1,212% in the last two years alone. Now, River has been looking at about mm, half of the biggest nodes in the network. So this is an estimation, but if anything, it's on the low side. Another thing they've noticed is the average channels on the Lightning Network have gone up to like 8 million sats from just 6 million two years ago, which means there's more liquidity available on the network. That's a really big deal. Uh, and this build-out, I think the other thing to appreciate here, this build-out over the last two years has happened during a horrendous bear market, the longest bear market in Bitcoin's history as the Fed has pivoted and tightened liquidity. This has grown an incredible leap and bound during all of that now at least for the short term, don't know about by the time this comes out, when the price rises, the fees on the network go up, which even strengthens the case and even strengthens and increases the demand for Lightning. And so this kind of growth, Brent, in when you combine it with the Lightning's network, combined with the value for value network in the last 90 days, uh, with the with the increasing price of sats, so these podcasters, the the contributions that have been sent to them, they're able to do more than they were a couple of months ago. It all really comes together to something that feels like it's really getting stronger and and going in the right direction. And then we look at the advertising situation and it just feels like the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm, I'm speechless, actually, because it's just like such a such a opposing forces, it seems like. And I'm glad we're part of one of those. Keep an eye on it. OK, one last thing. While we're just talking about neat things coming up in value for value, uh, I saw this on the podcast social. There is a new value for value based multi-redundant object store with a totally decentralized CDN that would be great for PeerTube self-hosters that removes 99% of the bandwidth costs of media hosting and storage costs online, and it's going to be value-for-value split-based. It's going to use SeaweedFS and PeerTube, and the idea is that you can have a decentralized CDN that you put into your splits 
And boom, now you've got great backend storage for your PeerTube instance, which is the trickiest part about PeerTube. And it's coming in 2024. And I think this is another example of services sort of like um, transcribe.fm and sovereign feeds and others where you can put them in your splits. And essentially, as long as you're using them, you put them in the splits. You could call it a membership or a, or a subscription if you like. And then when you're done using them, you take them out of the splits. And it's there's it's just really clean and simple. And you send them a little value, they give you value back. And how cool is this? A decentralized, redundant object storage for PeerTube self-hosters. And maybe this will help kick off more PeerTube instances and help people kick the YouTube habit. Man, this is exactly what we were looking for like a year ago. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling really good. I think the future for value for value is bright. Uh, if there's a podcaster that you would like to help gently introduce them to the concept, if they're struggling right now, point them at the value for value show. Kyron from Mere Mortals does it. We'll put a link in the show notes. Could be a nice way to get to get maybe a podcaster you know gently introduced to the topic and help them start thinking about it. Now, Chris, you had the chance to sit down with Moritz Kaminsky of Albi, and it turned out to be quite a nice chat. Well, look who is in our stocking, right from GetAlbi.com. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me here. Um, I'm Moritz, co-founder um, at Albi, and yeah, we are building Bitcoin infrastructure, basically, to allow value transfers natively on the internet, basically. And you're moving really fast. Uh, I've noticed you, you guys came along just sort of at the perfect moment in the Lightning Network's development where we really needed a solution that was browser-based and that was solving some of the back-end plumbing problems for users. That's a hard problem in itself to solve. But then the podcasting 2.0 stuff you kind of caught wind of and the Noster as well, and you've been able to kind of tuck and roll and take advantage of both of those waves and kind of be an important piece of the glue there. How have you managed to keep up like that? Are you guys working seven days a week over there? I think we work quite a lot yet, that's true. But I think it's mainly because we have a great team um, of people who's working on Albi. And we are very much aligned all on our mission to to bring like, yeah, sort of a native payment layer to the internet. And, and that's why also we build on Bitcoin and the Lightning Network because... It just fits very well. We believe that we can now also enable these um, instant value transfers that we see in podcasting, for example, or in Nostra. It all fits nicely together um, that we can enable that and also grow further. Yeah, I think it solves a big problem for developers often as well. I'm thinking of like Podverse, for example. They could build their own Lightning infrastructure and become lightning node administrators and they could then create that front end code i guess to do all of that for the users well but it kind of makes a lot more sense to outsource that back end to you and then as a benefit to the user i can move between podcast apps and take those sats with me really easily because i just connect to my albi wallet you're kind of that that back end and it's really important so before i get into like all the really 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 good stuff a couple of questions on my mind are I noticed recently that there's been some new limits placed on newer users, and I think some limits 
on withdrawals. Is that a sign that there's problems? Is everything okay? Is it part of the volatility? What's the story there? Well, the main reason is just like we are not um, a small uh, company in sense of we have a little, uh, a small amount of users. We have only a small amount of Bitcoin on our node. No, it's just we are we are constantly growing, and we have also we have to be a we have to make sure that Albi also exists in in five years or ten years of time. And with our current setup, how we operate today, we have to do some basic risk management and make sure that also we comply with the with the regulations and such. And that's why we have to have these things like limits in place um, to to know okay how actually people are using um, our systems and not be completely blind there but it's really just like i think it more is more like it paves the way for what's what's next with albi certainly that's not where we want to end right but it's just a necessary step in between so it's proactive fund management essentially yes yes uh, you could say that yeah. So, yeah. well I, what i mean by that too is uh with 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 a hard asset you, you can't just go to the bank and take out a five bitcoin loan and then cover the withdrawals on a, on a busy day. It's not how it works. It's a hard asset. So if somebody wants three Bitcoin taken out, you have to have that three Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You have to proactively manage those funds to make that. Yeah, I get that. So you hinted that there's something kind of in the works, and this is kind of proactively managing things to make sure you can kind of get to that. Do you have more details there? Is there some specifics? So I think like the, the the basic idea of Albi is always like you can bring your wallet to other applications, right? And as of now, because we want to make it super easy for, for users, for creators to use Albi, we offer them um, a managed wallet. But actually, if we look at the Albi browser extension, for example, which is a separate product of ours, um, you can already today connect your own for, for example, non-custodial Bitcoin wallet, um, your own Bitcoin Lightning node to the extension. And you can already do that today also to your own Albi account, but it is not yet, like it does not yet completely cover all the features. So what we want to do basically in the, in the next year is also offer a comparable, like in, in the sense of similar convenience backend or, or wallet to users who have a little bit different needs, meaning they want to have, uh, want to transfer higher, higher volumes, um, higher, higher payment amounts and such. And that's what we are basically working on. And, and until then, we can only motivate people to use a non-custodial option themselves until we, we can provide that out of the box as Albi. Fascinating. So if I were, say, looking at the recent updates to the Zeus wallet, would I kind of be getting an idea of where you guys might be going? Yeah, similar, similar. But there are really a lot of a lot of uh, developments actually happening on Lightning. And, and Zeus is a, is a great example, what they do, for example. And yeah, um, we have to see how we can enable similar um, functionalities also, also with Albi, actually. The tricky part here is really a little bit the fact that Albi itself is not just a, like a, it's just not not a simple app that you have on your on your phone and uh, you run around and and buy at at, at your merchant uh, and pay with Bitcoin. No, it's it's like a super flexible account that you can connect to other apps, and this is also quite challenging for us as as developing team to see okay how can we 
then still give the user a chance to interact with the Bitcoin and Lightning Network in a non-custodial way, because usually you need to have the keys for yourself, right? But how do you do that if, if, it, like, if you want to use Albi in different applications, actually? It kind of sounds like, too, it's what you're telling me is it's, it's not necessarily in Albi's best interest for users with a large amount of sats to keep that on an online wallet that's on Albi servers. You would prefer those users have an offline option. They have them now, but they're kind of complicated. And so how do you walk that line of giving them a self-hosted option that's reliable that they can easily migrate to, but then can still connect all the applications like the online Albi does? I mean, yeah, that's that's true. It's already a little bit possible today, but not very nicely integrated. So hmm. the, the, the current Albi, you can easily connect and pay in all these different apps, like super conveniently. And if you know how, then you can also already today constantly offload your the Bitcoin that you don't need to have on a like yeah spending account um, and and send them to a, to your saving account meaning like your own cold storage or something Bitcoin Lightning node or cold storage wallet exactly yes I like that idea I like that idea a lot it's kind of like a small balance checking account spending account and then your real your real stack is something that's protected and offline. Mm. Uh, I I I great. I'm really pleased to hear that's the direction you guys are thinking. I think that's that's really fantastic. Where is remind me where is Albi incorporated at? Uh, it's a U.S. company. So are you watching these? Are you watching some of these discussions around some of this and thinking too? It's probably maybe long term in your best interest just not to have large balances from just avoiding legal or regulator attention. Yeah, so we, we we have to follow it and I think we like with the measures that we take right now we are quite well positioned for the next year. Okay, well then. I've noticed that uh, Albi had an announcement with Podhome, uh, which I believe is a host that's integrating value for value and Albi in there. And this seems like a fantastic opportunity for Albi just sort of as it enabled applications like Podverse to have a value for value backend without having to do all the plumbing seems just like a no brainer that more and more podcast hosts should be talking to you guys. Are you, you don't have to name names, but are you having conversations with hosting companies? Uh, yes. Yes. We are having a uh, conversation with companies. Some go quite quick, like with a pot home, uh, super easy, super smooth. Some take a little bit longer, but I think like, yeah, we are able to yeah onboard more and more luckily on uh, more and more podcast hosts also to to value for value what is quite good because honestly i don't think there is like um as albi is built today and how we can integrate with these podcast hosting companies this it is is literally done within within just a few days like the, i think the, the the biggest work is just like some nice ui but at the end there is no deep integration required in order to get the value block into the rss feed it's i think people might think it's a little bit more but at the end it's it's super super simple and this is also the idea of albi we want to make it as easy as possible for for all these developers be it podcast players or podcast hosting companies to to integrate this 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 payment system the back end is pick a node either you're going to self host it or you're going to use something like voltage and in, inject the value block into your rss feed i mean that's what we're practically speaking about the hard part really is the front end stuff <laughs> it really is. And you guys do that. You guys handle that pretty well and make that pretty simple. Well, I'm glad to hear that there are some hosts talking. I really see it 
becoming much more approachable to most podcasters when it's integrated into whatever system they're using to publish their podcasts. Hundred percent. I think without that, it's yeah, it's too manual, right? Um, yeah. Um, it's also a little bit like people need to learn about that, and um, I think also podcasters they need to take on this challenge, embrace this this new way of um, of thinking. Actually, that's behind value for value, and not give up after like the first or second show and there is hardly any boostergram coming in but like it's also a lot on them to educate their own listeners and teach them look these are the wallets that you can use i use value for value because of these reasons and you if you send me some funds you enable these great things what i can do uh without um, yeah, requiring um ads uh, on my show for example so i think there's some storytelling also um about that from a from a podcaster perspective yeah and i think it's it's on the podcaster to really kind of contemplate what is the value here for the audience why would they want this who is the audience for this and, you know, we have like a really casual approach to this show because it, we understand it's not it's not for everybody. It's it's sort of people that are into podcasting or into JB or, or into Bitcoin. You know, it's there's some crossover there, but it's not a, it's not a huge demand in our audience. So what we say is, you know, when we get to one point four million sats or one million sats, I've actually lowered it recently because the price went up, you know, then we'll do a, then we'll do a podcast because what we do is we have, we do 30 percent splits across the board. The editor gets paid. I get paid. The co-hosts get paid. JB gets its small cut and we're done. And it's it's all right there in the RSS feed, and it's really simple. And what I've experienced as I've done something that's gone from a hobby into a business is there is enormous benefit to just everything being simple, everything being transparent between everybody involved. Because when things get serious and if real money does get involved, all those little details start to matter. <laughs> and I, I think it just keeps it really clear. And it's not only clear between the hosts, but it's clear to the audience too because they can just look at the splits when they do the boost um, I think that's pretty great. So, hundred percent. I think it really nicely aligns all the incentives of of all of all players involved, right? So, um, podcast players can can earn a fee by allowing listeners to send payments. For example, podcast hosts can earn a fee by enabling their own podcasters to to earn or to receive bo these boostergrams at the end of the day and all have also then um are like really aligned and and to to promote this feature because there is almost no downside because i think mm, it is really not about bitcoin or the lightning network itself this is really like the underlying technology i think they're really the idea in general is i want to share value with someone right uh, because he deserves mm, that because he contributes value back to me by by like entertaining me for example as a if if i was a listener and that's also why we at rb we think a little bit also over the next months how can we provide an api that completely abstracts away that the fact that it's actually bitcoin and gives people the chance to just send us dollars for example but in the back and then rely on on this instant payment layer like the lightning network for example so Sort of as Strike does right now. Strike, you could interface with Strike all day as USD, but when you're actually sending the money, it's using Lightning on the back end and just instantly converting between SATs and USD. Yeah, yeah, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that idea, and I think you nailed it. And the part I want to underscore for what you said that is a game changer for podcasting is the value-for-value value model brings in a funding source for the first time for the podcast apps. 
it's amazing we're like almost 20 years into this and we haven't had a built-in revenue source for the podcast apps. Now, they can do monetization through memberships. They could have advertising. They could end up like our beloved Pocket Cast getting sold around three times. You know, um, there's there's a lot of different strategies, but there's never been just like a a built-in way for if you make a good app, you'll make money. And uh, nobody can charge for a podcast app because all the other podcast apps are free. That that died eight years ago. So value for value with the splits rightfully includes things like, you know, part of the infrastructure. You get a split to the podcast index. You get a split to the podcast uh, app creator. I I don't think I could overstate how important that is, mm-hmm. how massive that is, right? To just if you make a great app and if the user base adopts this feature – and as more podcasts adopt this feature, the podcast create app creator makes more revenue. I mean, it's just talk about incentives aligning as to what you were saying. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's really great to see also that also the number of um, podcast apps is really like like almost exploded the 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 last months or in in twenty twenty three. So I think there's at least like four or five that like onboarded onto onto um, value for value this year, just this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've seen a growth in our downloads because we're participating in this community. A lot of podcasters are reporting as much as 20% drop in downloads. And we're seeing, we're, we're touching numbers we never thought were possible with niche Linux content. And I'm looking at that and I'm, I'm attributing some of that to obviously the topics we cover in the shows. That's obvious. But uh, I'm also attributing that to participating in a growing community that is hungry for content that participates in this community. 100%. So that's actually already um, also another point what's so interesting about this um, new way of, of, of monetization is like this, the interactive part here, right? This, this community building part between the, the, the podcaster and the listener um, because they have a way now to interact through these messages, for example, that wasn't wasn't there before it you see these kind of these memes if you want to call them that or whatever that start to spread through from the from the audience created by the audience and then they spread through multiple shows like row of ducks or Spaceballs boost and uh you know some of the other ones that come in that are like first we're like what is that and then you start, then the then the podcast just start catching on oh that's for and it's like it's to me as somebody who's been doing this for so long and everything that goes into the show has been very intentionally chosen and a lot of research and discussion behind the scenes has gone into that. And then even when it's just kind of off the cuff commentary, it's it's off the cuff from something we've planned to talk about. But the booths are totally organic, total improv, and they kind of they they pull the shows out of their own little bubbles and they we, they make a one big community. I just think it's wonderful. It is, it is, it is. And it's also interesting to see that you have mm, now also like first podcast hosts that like completely build on this monetization model and, and uh, leave apps completely um, out of, of their service, like Podhome, for example, or Podfans. Um, also Podfans especially is super interesting what they do actually with, with their app, because there's a lot more to micropayments um, if you use Podfans, for example, um, they really literally tie every single action of a of a of a user to um, a reward um, or a payment, basically. And yeah, 
it's quite interesting to see and quite interesting also to see what type of new use cases this actually enables. Right. Yeah. So pod fans, the way I describe it is it's it's value for value for the listener's time. So the time that the listener interacts with the podcast and the directory and the different app options and the community in pod fans, they get rewarded in sats for that time. So it's kind of, it completes like it's the it's a, now makes it almost a cyclical value for value cycle where sats come into the podcast. The podcast puts some sats into a kitty. Those kitty and, a, and also pod fans, his own kitty of sats get distributed back out to listeners. And uh, there is something I think when I got the demo from Sam, I thought there's something to this that is going to be a big deal at some point. And you could only do it with something like the Lightning Network. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it was just not, it's not, the Lightning Network is interoperable payment layer. That is not, that you don't have when you use PayPal. And it's especially then useful if you are in such a very um, diverse and different, different system, like, like podcasting, where you have a lot of different podcast players, but they all need to talk to each other over, over the Lightning Network at the end. And imagine if, it, if everyone needs to implement the same wallet, like if everyone needs to implement support for PayPal, it's just super, super hard. But now you can have a fountain, for example, or you can have a breeze and you can have a podcast guru and they know all talk to each other, although they all have different wallet providers. And that's what's so, so what's actually the, the, the strength of such an open payment network. Right. And you manage to have that open payment network where they can have their own providers, self-hosted, you know, hosted, whatever it is. And there's still not six middlemen in between taking a percentage. So you can do a five sat transaction. You can do a 10 sat reward. That's uh, that's my lightning rant, but thank you. Um, okay, so I got an email the other day. This is one of my last questions. I got an email the other day kind of hinting that uh, if I signed up, I could get some additional expanded Albi features in the future. Is that kind of what you were talking about earlier? Is this a different service? It looked like... Potentially, there might be a little more KYC involved with with this new service. Can you tell me anything about that? With the with the limits that we introduced, we are obviously not 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 satisfied. Uh, we have to do it, uh, unfortunately, right now. But we are already thinking: okay, how can we all um, like give users the option to increase these limits? And there are two ways to that. I think, um, as we think and currently and plan for it, is either people go and, and, and verify their identity as they are all used to with the with like traditional payment apps, or we can offer them a comparable solution in a, in a non-custodial way where they can have completely no limits, uh, no, no KYC required and such. And yeah, that's, that's really like, that's what, that's, that, that's the path that we see going forward with Albi if, 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 if users are not um, satisfied with the current limits, what is completely understandable. Sure. Are there going to be adjustments to the current list? Because I think what it's, if I recall, it's something like uh, 10 million sats in and out within a seven-day period. So that's total in and out, no more than 10 million. Is that going to get adjusted without uh, any KYC, additional KYC required? Or is that sort of the line that you feel like you have to follow? We might um, adjust that, but um, that's like for 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 the next weeks um or next two two or three months um, very likely that that we that we settle um for now on this and then we have to see um how comfortable we feel um, by also interacting with the regulatory bodies and such uh, on what we can then also yeah what what what's 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 a good way in between play it smart and safe yeah 
exactly. Yeah, I think also for most users, they probably shouldn't, in my personal opinion, they, they shouldn't be keeping uh, anything that size, that amount in a hot wallet. Uh, of course, it's for every person, it's your own personal what amount of money you're willing to lose. But for me personally, you get above a few million sats, I just really don't think those should be in a hot wallet to begin with. Now, that's for individuals. I do think it gets tricky for a podcast like like us where uh, for Linux Unplugged, we're trying to raise 8 million sats to get to uh, scale. But that's, that's you know, we also have our own node and we can manage that and we can do a little more advanced. So that's that's mitigatable. So I, I think it's probably best for the health. I, I think it's such a valuable application, such a valuable service, what you guys do. And the future is bright and there's so much potential. And the way you're also able to quickly embrace new uses of the Lightning Network as they come online, I think, is also an indication of probably the likelihood if you guys can stick with it, you're going to be successful. And if this is this, if this is what it requires to manage that, I can totally get behind that. Um, and I'm I'm always happy to help listeners uh, get started with uh, self-hosting their stash and their stack if they want to reach out on Matrix. Totally, totally always happy to do that. That's important, I think, that we tell people how, like, show them a path um, also um, to take care of their own funds, give them easy ways to onboard and then, yeah, ways to improve um, later on. I saw you also are participating in hashtag backup day, which is today as we record. So that's good. That's yeah, good. yeah. Glad yeah. to see that. Exactly. <laughs> well, Moritz, will you uh, keep us in the loop as uh, things develop and maybe check in from time to time and we'll do a another uh, chat in the future as uh, things develop? That would be great. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, especially in the evening for your time and have a great holiday. <laughs> Likewise. Talk soon. And now, as the French say, it is time for Le Boost. Indeed, it is time for The Boost. Now, we didn't reach our milestone, but of course, we wanted to get an episode out before the end of the year and celebrate the holidays with you. And we do have some boost to help support this episode. Arwin comes in with 55,426 sats. He's our baller this episode. Hey, Richard, Oh, he's coming with a zip code boost from where he grew up. Have you guys documented your needs for a self-hosted podcast feed? Making a podcast server sounds like an interesting way to learn podcasting 2.0. Hmm. Hmm. No, no, no. But maybe if I figure it out, I will document it. Brent, do you happen to... Oh, you do have the map with you. It has Wes fingerprints all over it. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm holding it upside down. Jeez, this is hard. Oh, there you go. That's all right. Okay, this looks like 55426 is Minneapolis, Minnesota. Hello, Minnesota. I'm a duck, D-U-K, duck, loaded with talent. Where the ducks are from? The Mighty Ducks? Nope, nope, just the ducks. Thank you for boosting in. Appreciate that. Ghost Mullet comes in. God, I love that username. 27,577 sats. You guys were off by a country mile in the zip. But that was actually my fault. I didn't realize that the podcast index split the boost up into multiple smaller boosts, and I canceled it before the small amount was sent. You know, the full amount. Yeah, that mm, – oh, man. I. Oh, yeah. That is a UI change that needs to happen. First-time boosters always get confused by that, I think. Hopefully the third time, third time will be a charm, though. Here's to uh, challenging more assumptions, as the mullet is no mister but a dame. Now, is he implying that – ghost mullet – is he implying that this is a zip code boost this time around? Is that the implication you're getting from that? I think I, so. I, we can just I'm try so, it and see if we get it this I'm time. I'm confused and dazed by the by the mullet stuff, but uh, okay. 
Looking here, it looks like it's uh, Smithfield, North Carolina. Does that look right to you? Yeah, it's in the east of North Carolina, I think. Okay. All right. Well, hello, North Carolina. Thank you for the mullets and the boosts. Well, Todd from Northern Virginia, he just came in with a row of McDucks. No message at all, though. Things are looking up for old McDuck. That's all right, Todd. We just appreciate that support. Oh, the J.B. Crow comes in. Oh, man, we need a good crow sound. Somebody give me a crow sound. You've got some bird sounds, right? With a fi- I mean, I got a, I got a, well, it's not a crow. I got a, it's not a, it's not a crow, though. It's It'll a, have to do. All right, 5,000 sats. Boosting the awesome song. Uh, Wes Payne came in. Hey, that's me, 5,000 sats. The Golden Dragon sent in a whole bunch of ducks. Look at that little rack of ducks. Talking about the Bearded Text blog index getting rolled out. Talking about progressive web apps. Getting excited for Linux Fest Northwest and the Jupiter Signal RSS feed that's in new podcast apps. That's a lot of ducks. Dragon coming in hot. Yeah, that's a lot of ducks. Thank you, Dragon. Appreciate that. Kmog came in with 5,000 sats using Podverse. He's, uh, quote, surprised. I think those are air quotes. That Google killed off their halfway decent podcast app in favor of an inferior product. In case you didn't notice, he's being sarcastic. Yeah, so you remember this? They killed off the Google. They're killing off Google Podcasts and moving everybody over to YouTube Music. Right. They had too many products, and they someone made the wrong decision. It's like all things get consumed into YouTube. All things, <laughs> yeah. You know? Like all things become like a YouTube thing. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah, yeah. Mere Mortals Podcast comes in with a row of ducks. Podfans is awesome. New podcasting 2.0 up, this progressive web app that we were talking about before. Sam is a smart cookie, too, and his app is rock solid. I don't like the idea of listeners competing to get on the top of the leaderboard to be able to be part of the splits, though. Feels like incentives of that could create some unexpected or bad behaviors. Keen to see if it works or not. Yeah, me too. Um, If you recall, there is a listener ranking feature in Podfans. And they count things like if you play, how soon after you hit play, after they publish, if you listen to the whole episode, and you go up the ranks, and then the podcaster can start including people at the top of the ranks into the splits. So you start getting some value back. Kind of nice, right? Kind of nice. We'll see, though. I'm watching pod fans with a lot of curiosity. The Podfather comes in, Mr. Adam Curry with 10,000 sats. B-O-O-S-T! Doesn't look like the wallet switch worked. I know. I know. I am so frustrated because the last, and I'm really going to give it a go this time with like three songs. The last couple of times I've tried it, it has been like uh, this last time, it was two problems. I entered the duration in minutes and not seconds. And there's no like input validation checking in on Sovereign Feeds for that. And so it just takes it. But you have to put it in seconds or else it breaks everything. And then the other thing that I did wrong, which was a bug in Sovereign Feeds, but I had channel-level splits set up for everybody, and I didn't have anything on the episode-level split because I just wanted to inherit the channel level. But because of a bug in Sovereign Feeds, when using value time split, you have to define it both in the channel and at the episode level. I had not initially. And so it was busted because of that. And by the time I got it fixed, it's basically everybody was done boosting. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> You know, I mean, it really, I've really gotten cut up trying this, uh, inserting the value time split music stuff. I think it's incredible. You know, we talked about patent trolls coming for podcasters. Um, so having a legitimate way to play and change up songs and music, you know, it's a holiday episode. So we want to play holiday music and be able to do that in a way that's legit and the creators get, 
get value for that. I, I think it's really important for podcasts. So I'm going to keep trying it, especially with this episode. But every time I've tried it, it's blown up in my face in some way that is so infuriating because it's like, well, a little bit of validation checking could have done that or the tool I was using maybe had a bug or I got something wrong one time, you know, that's surprise, surprise. It's just it's been a lot of paper cuts or scissor cuts. But uh, it, know, so, it sounds trying. like a, a big opportunity for improvements, really. I mean, it's still kind of early days for this, but it sounds like with a tiny bit of effort, this could be really slick, though. I think and I know, like, I think there are places like RSS Blue that are working on this. I think it'd be 100 percent solved. If it was baked into my tooling, right? The issue here is that I'm not really familiar that well with sovereign feeds or the split kit. And so I'm pulling two different tools together that I don't use a lot. And I'm trying to get the right results where if it was say, you know, you go to like RSS blue or fireside and you're just, you're inputting your episode title, description, tags. And then you say, oh, hey, at this minute I have some music. And it helps search the index and find the music for you all, you know, that. And then it just puts everything in there for you and it builds the feed. When you get to that point, it's going to be freaking flawless. We're just not quite there yet. Okay. I have an idea. You ready for this one? Yeah. So what if you take that little piece of technology that we saw that wants to cut out ads and instead use it for good. So use it to (laughs) uh, indicate when these songs are starting and it just does it all for you. I like that idea. That's it. Let's let's use these the, these um, chatbot AI thingies for good. Here, here. Remaking Eden comes in with ten thousand sats. Coming in hot with the boost. Family <laughs> boosts. Zach Attack came in with two thousand forty eight sats. It'd be interesting to see what happened if a major artist started distributing their albums via value for value. You know, someone say the size of T Swift just to see how the system would handle it. Oh boy. Well, oh, okay. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, are we ready for that? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. No. No, uh, there are, we have stars right now. I mean, it's, there's a, like, there's a live event getting planned. It's going to be a live music event. That's going to be streamed using the lit item tag and podcasting 2.0. People are gonna be able to boost the whole, the whole event. It's going to be sponsor free. It's going to be value for value based. So keep your eyes out for that. Might already have happened by the time this episode comes out, but it's neat to see it. And it's all around the music stuff. Kyron comes in mere mortals podcast again, row ducks. Highlighting Podverse for my value for value run through for the podcasting 2.0 apps. Love you guys. Yes, nice. Aww. Keep on it, Kyron. Thank you. Ben the Tech Guy also came in with a row of ducks. Now that you're experimenting with all these fancy podcasting 2.0 features, I've decided to embark on a challenge of my own. Hello from Boost CLI. <laughs> Hell yeah, buddy. Ben the Tech Guy. Oh. You're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Right on, man. That's impressive. Right on. That is. Gene Bean comes in with 7,000 sats. Pew, pew, pew. He says, I still feel like y'all should shift off of Fireside and just be done with it. Well, all right. Job done. Uh, you could host with Castapod. Well, it is the season, yeah. right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. RSS Blue. I know. I know, Gene Bean. You see... How do you put it, Brent? It's like um, complicated. <laughs> yeah, not the only thing we have to worry about. Right, right. We also have a lot of tooling complex in, pipeline built around That's that. That's it. Mm-hmm. 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 Inertia, you might call it. Yeah, if we could take three months off, but we all still showed up and you know spent the same amount of time, we could get a lot of things done. We need like a time machine that just has a pause button. I could use that. Yeah, right, right. Okay, but l- let's ask, like, what would it take? 
I think it's something you do one show at a time as the tech gets ready. Like I really thought we would have our own, we would be, we'd be brewing our own RSS feeds uh, by this point. Um, and, you know, part of me really wishes we were still, but also part of me realizes that we have like iterated on the idea of how we do it two or three times in house. So it's like, I don't know. Like sometimes we just take a little bit longer than I'd like, but then it's like we're iterating on the idea. So like what we end up doing is better in the long run anyways. Uh, it just takes time. And I probably just shouldn't talk about it until we're like really close. But then, you know, where's the fun in that? Um, you know, and Gene suggested too, like maybe we write up like a spec that we would require for a host and all the stuff. And it's like even something like that. I have a problem with some family members that uh, are angry at me right now oh, no. because they haven't seen much of me. and. um so they're trying to schedule time to come see me. Um, they're unemployed. They're retired. And uh, uh, I am self-employed, you know, doing some shows. Also, this is the holiday schedule. So we're recording doubles right now. So we're running we're running the regular show load. Plus, we're prepping an additional show for each show. Uh, you know, I got three kids. I got a lot going on. And this person has nothing going on. But yet, <laughs> All right. they're like, well, why don't you just do this? Why don't you just do X, Y, Z? And I'm trying to say to this family member, it's like, you are a priority to me, but I literally don't have the time. Like I collapse like around nine 30 at night, exhausted. I wake up around 5 AM and I'm usually out the door by 6 AM working. And I do that six days a week usually. Um, so <laughs> the seventh like the only... day you've got kids. <laughs> yeah. The seventh day is I, I spend with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it's really, it's the sixth day of the week, Saturday I spend with the kids. And then Sunday, it's back to work. Yeah. Uh, there's a real bandwidth problem there. I, I was thinking, you know, what a real life goal would be, would be to get to a position where I could hire a couple of people full time. Um, and then we just start executing on stuff all the time because it's just never going to get there otherwise. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see, Gene Bean. We're always like, you know, it's what I have learned is not to let it stress me out too bad because the way it generally happens is it's slow, slow, slow. It's sort of like building and building and building, and then it pops. And then it's just, boom, all of a sudden it's immediate, and it's, things change on a dime. So I, it's always kind of goes like that. Bunch of Nuts sends in our first space ball boost of the batch. One, two, three, four, five sats. So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. And now Bunch of Nuts is asking if there's like, uh, you know, like a definition of... Uh, special boost numbers like one, two, three, four, five is space balls, row of ducks. There is an old list that um, I think Pod News has kept up to date, but it doesn't, they haven't updated in a long time. Um, so right now it's sort of just you pick it up as you listen. But we've had a lot of requests for that bunch of nuts. So if somebody wanted to put something on our GitHub, right? Maybe that'd be a good place to put it. And people can That's a good place to put start it. revving it. You, you can also create your own, you know? Screw the dictionary, just make some. Yeah. Tell us, generally. You you come up with the boost, and then you tell us what it is, uh, and we'll start. We'll go with it. Marilyn JB comes in with another Spaceballs boost. Luggage boost. One, two, three, four, five. Yes. That's amazing. I've got the same combination on my luggage. <laughs> Thanks for providing hours of entertaining content. Oh, love Never it. I love old. the combo. <laughs> oh, I love it when we get the combo. Thank you, guys. Thank you both. I appreciate that. Bunch of nuts and uh, Marilyn JB. Appreciate that. Cameron comes at 4,000. 321 sats. Just FYI, 
Eric has created an IPFS podcasting flake. What? What? Here at IPFS-podcasting.nics. I, since uh, I know very little about NixOS, I figured you and your audience would be the perfect test group. Oh, Cameron, yes! IPFS podcasting continues to be very exciting, Cameron. Thank you so much for your hard work over there. And I will put a link to that in the show notes. We very much would like to base our system around Nix. We'd eventually love to have our own redirector, too. We got uh, Road Ducks from Scott, but no message. And our last message that's going on air this week comes from Adversary17. Adversaries, adversaries, Adversaries 17 5,000 sats using Podverse. Just boosting in for the next office hours. I hope to hear it someday. Well, you know what? Here you go. B-O-O-S-T. Mr. Rustacastaversa also came in with some support. Uh, Fear Gas Balls. Sam Sethi came in with 10 sats using Podfans. So we had 23 boosters total, and we stacked 208 sats, 208,591 sats. Well, thank you very much. Not quite our 1.4 million goal, although I'm ra- I'm lowering that with the uh, increase since we set that. I'm, I'm lowering our goal to 1 million. Um, this will definitely be our last episode of 2023. Maybe our last office hours ever. I don't know. Unless. Unless we reach our next goal. But Brent, you know, it's been nice either way. It's always fun hanging out with you. It's always fun. So yeah, I kind of miss it, actually. We shouldn't let it go that long. Well, yeah, we could do better. You know, we could have done better. I, I don't really put that falling short of the goal on the audience. We lost momentum. Um, it got busy with the holidays. Brent got a new job. He's traveling a bunch. There's just a lot. The Linux happen. Fest happened so, there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And next year's crazy, too. <laughs> oh. We got we got so much going on just in the first quarter or two. So it's okay. I do I do miss doing it. And if we got to our 1 million milestone, 1 million sats, I'd be happy to sit down and do another one. Uh, so maybe subscribe. And make sure you set it to auto-download so after 15 days, <laughs> iOS doesn't screw you. <laughs> oh, so good. Or get a new podcast app, podcastapps.com. Founded 1.0 might be out by the time you hear this. If not, Podverse is beloved by our audience. Podfan seems like it's picking up steam. Castomatic is fantastic on iOS. There's a lot of good apps out there. Okay, Brentley, I think that's it. I think we're all done here. Happy holidays, everybody. I hope you have a great one with you and your family. Happy holidays, Brantley. And safe travels. Well, thank you. Make sure you warm up that eggnog. That vegan eggnog, I'm sure. Vegan nog. Or what do they call it? I don't know. Uh, vegan nog? Not nog? No, that doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound right. All right. Thank you for joining us. Happy holidays. We'll see you maybe in 2024.